Hey y'all, welcome back as we continue through the book of Nahum. And Nahum brought a warning to Assyria, to the, the city of Nineveh, which is a big, huge metropolitan, huge, huge metropolitan city in the nation of Assyria. And he said, look, judgment is coming. Y'all are going to fall. And in chapter two, we see how Nineveh would fall in verse one. Your enemy is coming to crush you, Nineveh. Man the ramparts. Watch the roads. Prepare your defenses. Call out your forces. Even though the destroyer has destroyed Judah, the Lord will restore its honor. Israel's vine has been stripped of branches, but he will restore its splendor. Shields flash red in the sunlight. See the scarlet uniforms of the valiant troops. Watch as their glittering chariots move into position. With a forest of spears waving above them, the chariots race recklessly along the streets and rush wildly through the squares. They flash like firelight and move as swiftly as lightning. The king shouts to his officers. They stumble in their haste, rushing to the walls to set up their defenses. The river gates have been torn open. The palace is about to collapse. Nineveh's exile has been decreed. And all the servant girls mourn, in, mourn its capture. They moan like doves and beat their breasts in sorrow. Nineveh is like a leaking water reservoir. The people are slipping away. Stop! Stop! Someone shouts, but no one even looks back. Look at the silver, or loot the silver, plunder the gold. There is no end to Nineveh's treasures, its vast, uncountable wealth. Soon the city is plundered, empty, and ruined. Hearts melt and knees shake. The people stand aghast and their faces pale and tremble. Where now is that great Nineveh, that den filled with young lions? It was a place where people, like lions and their cubs, walked freely and without fear. The lion tore up meat for its cubs and strangled prey for its mate. He filled his den with prey, his caverns with plunder. I am your enemy, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Your chariots will soon go up in smoke. Your young men will be killed in battle. Never again will you plunder conquered nations. The voices of your proud messengers will be heard no more. So he says there's a nation, an army that is going to come in and take over Nineveh and take down Assyria. And Babylon did exactly that. Assyria came and knocked out northern Israel and they enjoyed it and they hurt people and they oppressed people and they were brutal. And they attacked Judah, the southern territory, and they enjoyed it and they were brutal and completely awful. And they wouldn't repent. They wouldn't turn back. They did the first time a hundred years ago, but this time they're stuck in their pride. They're stuck in their sin. They're stuck in their wickedness and they refuse to turn and repent and humble themselves before God. So God is telling them, look, judgment is coming. You will be taken over. And above all the noise and the chaos, the voice of the Lord is heard as he speaks to Israel and Judah and assures them that they will be restored and reunited. They will be 
sin will be dealt with. Evil will be dealt with. Wickedness will be dealt with. And the faithful firm who stand firm and do not waver in Christ will be held safely, will be brought home, will be gathered, and we will be a part of God's eternal kingdom. And he, in verse 5, where he says, The king shouts to his officers, and they stumble in their haste, rushing to the walls to set up their defenses. It refers to that king of Assyria. It says the king of Assyria, he plotted against God and he plotted against God's people. And God will pay for, he will take care of evil. He will take care of sin and he will protect his people. And Nineveh is being treated the way Nineveh treated the nations around her. Her sins have found her out. And now Nineveh is reaping what they have sowed. The, the destruction and torture that they have caused other people is now coming down on them. In Nahum, he, he tells the Ninevites, Ninevites that, that they have this, this glory and they're prideful and they're wealthy. That's all going to come to destruction. That is all going to fall. And the image of the lion was often used by Assyrians in their art as well as their architecture. They, they use this lion and the lion will normally take to their lair enough food for themselves as well as their cubs. They go out in the day and gather food and bring it back to their den for their cubs. But the Assyrians would collect wealth beyond measure, far more than what they needed, and they did it at the cost of human lives. They would take out people to gain wealth. They would oppress humans to gain wealth. They would torture humans to gain wealth, and that is not okay with God. Over a century before the Lord sent Jonah to warn Nineveh, and when the city repented, he we he relented. He did not bring judgment because they repented. When we repent, he relents, and judgment is withheld. And when we turn to Jesus and repent and give him our lives, we are seen as righteous. We are seen as whole. We are seen as healed and cleansed before God. And we do not have to face judgment because Jesus already paid the price. It's already been faced. But... Now they have turned and they have turned back to evil. This generation, a hundred years later, has turned back to evil. And now they are being warned and they're being told to come. But this time they're not heeding the warning. They're not repenting and crying out to God in mercy. They're, they're doubling down in their evil. And he says judgment is going to come. And Assyria would be left with no weapons, no leaders, no victories, and no one to carry on their their prideful wealth, arrogance, and evil. They would be taken out completely. And with that, we'll go on and finish up in chapter 3, verse 1, which says why why Nineveh is falling. What sorrow awaits Nineveh, the city of murder and lies, she is crammed with wealth and is never without victims. Hear the cracks of whips, the rumble of wheels, horses' hooves pound and chariots clatter widely. See the flashing swords and glittering spears as the charioteers charge past. There are countless casualties, heaps of bodies, so many bodies that people stumble over them. All this because Nineveh, the beautiful and faithless city, mistress of deadly charms, enticed the nations with her beauty. She taught them all her magic, enchanting people everywhere. I am your enemy, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and now I will lift your skirts and show all the earth your nakedness and shame. I will cover you with filth and show the world how vile you really are. All who see you will shrink back and say Nineveh lies in ruins. Where are the mourners? Does anyone regret your destruction? 
Are you any better than the city of Thebes, situated on the Nile River, surrounded by water? She was protected by the river on all sides, walled in by water. Ethiopia and the land of Egypt gave unlimited assistance. The nations of Put and Libya were among their allies. Yet Thebes fell, and her people were laid away as captives. Her babies were dashed to death against the stones of the streets. Soldiers threw dice to get Egyptian officers as servants. All their leaders were bound in chains. And you, Nineveh, will also stagger like a drunkard. You will hide for fear of the attacking enemy. All your fortresses will fall. They will be devoured like ripe figs that fall into the mouths of those who shake the trees. Your troops will break, will be as weak and helpless as women. The gates of your land will be opened wide to the enemy and set on fire and burned. Get ready for the siege. Store up water. Strengthen the defenses. Go into the pits to trample clay and pack it into molds, making bricks to repair the walls. But the fire will devour you. The sword will cut you down. The enemy will consume you like locusts, devouring everything they see. There will be no escape, even if you multiply like swarming locusts. Your merchants have multiplied until they outnumber the stars, but like a swarm of locusts, they strip the land and fly away. Your guards and officials are also like swarming locusts that crowd together in the hedges on a cold day. But like locusts that fly away when the sun comes up, all of them will fly away and disappear. Your shepherds are asleep, O Assyrian king. Your princes lie dead in the dust. Your people are scattered across the mountains, with no one to gather them together. There is no healing for your wounds. Your injury is fatal. All who hear of your destruction will clap their hands for joy. Where can anyone be found who has not suffered, suffered from your continual cruelty? So they, they are taken down because of their evil and their sin and their, their awfulness, really. And God is patient and he desperately waits and cries out patiently for us to turn to him and repent but a time comes when judgment falls and jesus is returning and when that time comes judgment will fall nahum gives three reasons why nineveh deserves to be judged and one was their ruthless bloodshed the assyrians their diplomats they lied to other nations and broke their promises and destroyed allies and they slaughtered people in the process the shedding of innocent blood is a serious sin. God's people, God is our creator. He is the author and he is the authority of life. And people are made in God's image. So when you hurt other people, oppress other people, murder other people, it is a, an attack on God. And these dictators authorized heartless slaying of innocent victims. And they are going to answer for God, for crimes that they commit against God, as well as his humanity. We are his and there was also a whole ton of idolatry, false idols, false false gods. The chief deity of Nineveh was Ishtar, which was the goddess of sexual passion, fertility, and war. And their their spiritual blindness towards God, they were ensnared in these evil practices and worshipped this evil fake goddess. And they were under the control of lust and greed and violence instead of submitting and repenting and turning to God and people become like the God they worship. So they, 
What we believe determines how we behave. So they too became lustful, grateful, and violent as a result. And God is going to expose Assyria's nakedness before all the nations, and it would be the end of their in- evil influence. And the wealthy city would become nothing but a heap of ruins. And they were also prideful and self-confident, and they they would be totally destroyed when the Medes came in and captivate, ca- took the city captive, and they could do nothing to stop it. And their pride would fall right along with them. And the invading soldiers would sweep through the land. And like a plague of grasshoppers and locusts, it compares it to everything is completely wiped out. And the king and the council of the king of Assyria, they were overconfident in kind of like a locust sleeping on a well. But when the invasion comes, there's no, they, they would just fly off to a safe place. But there was no safe place to run. There was nowhere for them to go. In their overconfidence, they were taken down and taken out by the hand of God. They had no allies to rescue them. For the other nations, it said, would rejoice when they heard that they fell and that they were no more. There would be celebrations in like the book of Jonah. The book of Nahum ends with a question um, at the end. It says, for who has not felt your endless cruelty? Who hasn't been affected or hurt by your cruel hand and your awfulness? And that's what he ends with. You have been cruel, therefore judgment has fallen. And God punishes cruel nations that follow inhumane policies and brutal practices. And nations that turn away from God and are self self loving and and prideful and wicked in the sins of the national leaders are known by God and he will bring judgment. And Nineveh was destroyed by the Medes and Babylonians in 612 BC. And the final remnants of the political armies, they, they struggled and they staggered until they were completely overpowered in 609 BC at the battle of Haran. And they, they they thought they they were impenetrable. They thought that nothing could happen to them because they were so powerful and so prideful. But they had enemies and they didn't see it. And God will handle sin and God will handle wickedness and God will handle evil. When we choose God as our Lord and Savior, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, our Messiah, Yeshua, we have eternal life and that brings us peace. No matter what's going on around us, we can stand firm in faith knowing God has us and that God doesn't just have us through the right now. He has us in his hands for all eternity. Jonah's message was submit to God and God saves. And if they submit, they would be saved. And they submitted and they were saved. They repented. So God relented. In Nahum, we see rebellion. And out of their rebellion, they are destroyed and their pride is taken down. And God doesn't destroy, man does. We, 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 cause our own destruction. We have a choice. We can choose peace. We can choose life. We can choose eternity with God, or we can choose to oppose God and and walk away from God and choose evil and sin and wickedness. And God does not change. God is eternal. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Man changes. We change. We flutter around and 
things change. My son was telling me that they have sliding ethics that they teach now where things just slide around and change. But that's not how God works. God is faithful. God is true. His promises are eternal. His promises are forever. And his promises are faithful and true. And we can cling to him and who he is and know that he has us. We can stand firm in faith, knowing that my God is almighty, my God is sovereign, my God is powerful, my God is living and true, and my God holds me in his arms, and he will carry me through all the way until the end of this life, which is over in a blink and completely temporary, and he will dance me into the gates of heaven in the eternal life that is to come. Thanks, y'all. I hope you're having a most wonderful, blessed day.